Hello everyone, Malik Palma is my name. I welcome you to the Pardon Holistic um, Show. And my guest today is Nader Abouzid. Just something about Nader Abouzid. He's truly a globetrotter. He has traveled many, many countries until now, and um, he never rests so far. I know, uh, I, I know him. He's also a musician. He writes very beautiful poetry. He's a student of Tantra integral theory and enneagram he's working on the intersection of sufism integral theory and wants to bring this to new light in the world today so welcome to the show nadir abozid thank you Malik. thank you for the beautiful introduction yeah we're welcome so tell me did i did i actually miss something or would you would you even change something uh, maybe the last part uh, of the uh, of the work that you're doing and what you truly want to bring to the world. I think you you describe it pretty well. Like my interests lies in like exploring the mystic traditions from a contemplative lens. So we kind of like have a practical application of those and seeing the intersections and the differences and systems. But definitely Sufism and integral in addition to the Enneagram is like the three pillars that I'm focusing on right now. Okay, this sounds really very interesting. This is among among others. Um, the reason why I invited you to speak about those those ideas that I see they will matter very much. And um, yeah, uh, me and you we have we had many many talks about this. I wanted to have you on the show to go a bit deeper and bring bring actually to to the audience the ideas about this and why this this matters especially in the world today um as we talked previously about um the impact of artificial intelligence and other technologies that i i truly believe that your work especially touching touching on sufism and the integral to bring this to the world in in a in a new form shape without this old old archaic dust i would say yes so this is my question is is uh, for you how come you beside beside being a musician and poetry how come that you have this interest and uh, how was the journey so far that you that, that you arrived to combine those systems together i mean sufism integral enneagram it's i mean i was i was interested in art in because of the understanding of harmony and uh, I worked with many formats, not just music. So for me, the transcendent harmony was something that captured my interest a lot. And uh, when I was young, I was also into I'm just trying to understand dreams and I was captivated by psychology, like Jungian psychology. And I kept exploring more and more and more. I wasn't so much into the old mystic traditions when I was younger, but at the same time, I I thought that there was like a, an like a, an essential feature that just it's about embodying certain values and certain a certain way of relating to yourself and the world. And I always thought that the that the function of these ancient wisdom traditions was to or, to orient the individual in the right relationship between himself, society, the world as a whole, and the and the planet and yeah and the more that i continued my journey the more i understood like deeper layers and that what drove me to study sufi metaphysics especially the work of ibn arabi as a source of metaphysics and the enneagram i came across it also in my like journey for understanding the self 
the relationship between like how this idea of different archetypes and trying to understand how people are different empathy in a way that can be communicated not just an emotional skill so i found these systems very intriguing for their capacity to teach individuals at least cognitive empathy yes uh, so i know what you mean especially like uh, in this in these mystical traditions um, especially in in them and the metaphysics there, there is a, there is a kind kind of uh, core that has a truth even even and and a powerful message for us today and still something something very valid that we can use because the human being is such an intricate being is not only like uh, this outer outer world and um that with time everything everything all becomes obsolete yeah i mean that's that's one of the logical fallacies right that everything old is obsolete and uh, yeah it's important to to get the essence of the old wisdom and try to dress it up in a way that suits a modern application and that that's that suits the level of consciousness that we humans have today but there is certain essential qualities of what it is being a human being apart from the level of the cognitive development or the time that we live in that is something that is timeless in the qualities of us being human and and these wisdom traditions captured that really well at that time it was presented though in a way that serves the culture and the time that they were in i feel that after the industrial revolution and like this like materialistic paradigm kicked in we kind of lost the, those systems and those sources of wisdom in in regards of the inner dimension the like subjective dimension and even you find that it was like rediscovering the wheel with psychology and how it started with freud and then came after that carl jung and then eventually we're seeing now things like transpersonal psychology which is just a different way of explaining mysticism wow i uh, i like i like um how you um how you pointed out this uh, development that we actually see and uh, and also this moment where suddenly after freud discovered actually the um, the subconscious this was this was uh, besides besides some other things this was truly um a big step and bringing again like this inner this very complex and very rich inner world of the human being again like um in in the in in the center which has been forgotten would you say there there is uh, maybe even another reason or is it mainly like uh, this one that actually the world has become a bit um, and made the human being like um, a kind of two dimensional being it's only this outer appearance without this inner 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 rich rich world I don't know if there's any other reason on the collective level because I think these are like currents of human development and maybe it was needed at the time to not restrict the scientific investigation by the constraints of and the morality of theology and that loose to a certain extent knowing but eventually it would be discovered uh, like the, the the subjective realm and how and qualitative investigation not quantitative like all of these things are additions to science now and the quantum and relativity so eventually science is also arriving at qualitative investigation qualitative research and putting value in that yeah i think there are like like two poles in the collective mind in a way that one is very external and material oriented and the other is very kind of like mystical spiritual oriented and we, we kind of like oscillate between those so we find like a huge movement towards materialism and 
scientific investigation and then that would be like like a pendulum swing after it there was like this huge time in human history of theology appearing everywhere and a lot of like wisdom traditions are being put in place and like being each society and these movements were happening at the same time in very uh, not connected societies and cultures yes this is what, what we truly see and um, somehow um, we are still uh, struggling to combine those together we have uh, we, we have actually um what would you mention this um materialistic paradigm which also impacted science and interestingly enough science did start start um different but was very much shaped um with uh, with this um with this through this uh, materialistic lens that made out of science really something very cold and um, just um, disenchanting the, um, the the whole world while we arrive now at the point where we are re-enchanting the world again and uh, yeah the quantum as you, as you said um, is among others just just like um, another step in this direction yeah definitely i think eventually they, they would come together if the no no like whole pulled us so far into an imbalanced direction collectively and i think yeah a lot of people like a lot of I think Rudolf Steiner also spoke about those two holes in the in the human collective mind, and uh, and they're both important because even before the scientific method, like he, he can get so trapped in this enchanted worldview that you see everything as uh, you know you see this in the new age, everything is a message, everything is like spiritual, and you have like this own cognitive development and that could also be unbalanced and also not really progressive in the terms of human psyche, how it progresses. And you can have this like extreme focus on quantitative data and very material or materialistic worldview and the paradigm of the mechanistic paradigm. And this on its own could also lead to imbalance. So I think it's just a constant movement towards finding the right balance between these two currents and um, yes this is truly truly what, what we see more and more we are actually moving uh, the, the more we are progressing in in our development which among others you are also working in this intersection of combining combining like the um, timeless timeless wisdom because they just reflect what, what the human beings are this deep this this deep deep uh, internal world that we have and this this universe actually that is uh, that helped us to arrive at this point and even even progress uh, further towards development but you're combining it with the integral and the integral per se is is a theory that is trying to to combine those two things in a natural way together because it sees them just as a part of reality and not like in this dichotomy that we have today, like um, scientific and um, something mystical, something internal, like less scientific. The integral bring, brings it together. Can you, for those, for those of uh, in our of our audience that doesn't know about the integral, can you just tell, tell them a bit uh, more of your journey, how you arrived at in integral, and why it is important actually to continue to the world. To this dichotomy that they will see out there i think i have arrived at i was doing a degree in sustainable agriculture in australia and uh, i had a really interesting class with um, like a professor that i like so much and i got introduced to ken wilber's work and he, like the professor's angle was that 
people are trying to solve ecological issues with carbon taxes and like all those like recycling laws and regulations. So it's, it's trying to work at the problem externally from having society impose certain guidelines and certain laws that would reduce the pollution or reduce the impact on the environment. And using Integral, he introduced the idea that you actually need to work on people's consciousness so that they relate to the environment in a different way. So they would see the tree as something connected to their lungs, you know? It's like, it's the respiratory system of us and the planet. And when people arrive at this level of awareness, they would naturally treat the planet in a, in a different way. There would be more ownership and you don't require as much regulation as you need. Integral is really, for me, it's like a grid. It's like it's like the, the canvas that I that I use for my mind. It's like anything would be plotted into the four quadrants. And to reduce it a little bit, it's like individual subjective, individual objective, collective subjective, and collective. It's really about like addressing anything that you investigate or you study or you work at through those four quadrants. That's how it's called. And uh, I found this to be a very like holistic way and holistic, not in the sense of like spiritual, but like covering all the angles of a, a given point. And it's just like completely landed in my mind. And ever since then, I was a huge fan of the integral mindset in general. Yes. So you mentioned you mentioned the word the word holistic and how I experienced uh, this uh, dichotomy and um, even what we see today in uh, in science overall this whole body of uh, knowledge that we have it is so fragmented and somehow has the world and everything as a kind of object. It is so so cold, so empty without any soul, which is which is um, um, not true. We don't want to say like uh, we need to think in a kind of panpsychism or the uh, or or any other an animistic way of of the world, but there is there is truly more than just this seeing everything as a kind of uh, matter and object. Where we also arrived, and this is this is um, this by by the way we see this more and more, also in the scientific com community, wanting to bring holistic solutions to the world to truly combine the things that that um, that you cannot you cannot actually you you cannot disintegrate it it is about more integrating them and seeing everything as a whole like you said you you said actually this um, very beautiful example that the human being with consciousness and we will talk a bit more about consciousness but the consciousness plays actually a huge role in the, in the global warming and ecological issues that are actually caused by a certain certain consciousness that needs to develop and the more it does the more solutions we see yeah definitely but i think it's also fair to see how this lack of integration or like this you know specialization of labor and uh, this uh, and it's part of Your the point yeah, yeah and it's part of the scientific modern modernity in general and it started with the industrial revolution and it's necessary to go through this phase to have like urban development and big cities like so i think what's what's problematic about science nowadays is this like hyper specialization so uh, you have this like phd in very narrow specific sciences so it's hard for for, for people that are only trained in a very narrow and deep aspect to get a holistic understanding 
But back in the, in the old times, like all the scientists were, all, were also interested in astrology, in chemistry, like science was a holistic approach to investigating the natural world, including the human body, including social arrangements. Like there was hardly any like this hyper specialization. The good point about specialization is that it allowed us to work as a big society and really increase our impact and our urban development and our mastery over the material world. Yet it made us a bit far from the bigger picture. And you find that people nowadays that are closer to the bigger picture are people that are multidisciplinary, whether they're in art or in, even in science that we would uh, find people that have like PhDs in engineering and psychology and like natural sciences and these things or at least like investigated those realms. Because this is where like bigger picture really emerge when you have enough diversity in your knowledge to be able to synthesize and recognize patterns in. and that would give you an overview and i think that yeah this is this is really required but it was useful at the time it was in because that it gave us like this really um like um, terrible boost in our mastery over the elements and the material world yes this was uh, truly a pivotal moment uh, and it was necessary i like how, how you say it it was necessary but now it is it is not serving us anymore that's the interesting thing and uh, when i talk to, to people and i uh, even even uh, consult literature uh, there is this notion of yes so um, the last polymaths that we had so far were like Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, and those of the Renaissance, but this is not possible anymore because they think of this polymath uh, just in a, in a kind of, uh, because of this specialization today, and we have like so much more knowledge and um, um, more and more is, ju is just, um, just um, produ produced um, every day. We think of this uh, polymath notion as a kind of quantitative thing that you need to know, to know, uh, to, to know, about um, or have a PhD maybe in 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 ten different different uh, subjects in order to be a polymath. I think uh, there is uh, there is this problematic notion about um, which prevents actually um, us to produce new polymaths. This is yeah, this my view. I, I I don't know. So um, tell me about about your view of uh, this this problem. And do you see actually? A possibility for us to arrive again at the point where we can have we can talk about polymath and having polymaths like like in the time before yeah i think the whole format of phds is already very specialized i mean the, the thing itself is like a degree that i am specialized in this very narrow subject so it doesn't require that you have like phds or like master degrees in a lot of different topics it depends on your mode of learning really whether it's like experiential or theoretical but uh, i think whatever your mode of learning you, need, you just need enough exposure to understand like this uh, transcendent coherence and to be able to see how like how lot reason is applied in different mediums or different formats and once once you, you truly understand that then you, you know transcendent coherence and that would give you automatically a way of understanding any subject and understanding how things work, like how things just work together. And it, it goes, answering your question, I think it goes back to, to education. As long as we're educating people in a specialized way, we're going to still enforce that mode of being. Like, yeah, we now like even medicate children that have 
this kind of logic and we call them ADDs. <laughs> so like, yeah. And, oh, uh, yes, truly. So even our understanding of intelligence is focused and narrow and concentrated and memory-based. You're able to memorize information and you focus sit in a classroom for this amount of hours. And we don't have any appreciation for divergent thinking. It's more spread, it's more synthesizing, and it's more restless in its nature. And yeah, uh, it just reflects how we are, as a society, we're still valuing specialization, concentration, narrow and deep focus more than polymath or divergent thinking. Yes, which is already already now bringing us in, in, in huge problems. I mean, not only because of this fragmentation that we have, that uh, is, is like um, just becoming becoming uh, more and more more and more a burden and where we can cannot cannot see um, new solutions. The, something something new that has emerged just in the in the last two decades is this uh, interdisciplinary work and transdisciplinary work where we finally uh, finally arrive at the point to see okay it's it's pointless to continue with this specialization but even 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 putting that aside specialized people in the future will have a huge problem and generalists like you for example will thrive this is not this is not my claim this is the claim of a, of a phd professor that has written an entire book about this theory how generalists will thrive in the world and uh, one reason actually he says is because those people will in this in this ever changing very fast changing world they will be outdated because they are so narrow educated and this will this knowledge will not be required anymore. What do they want to do? That's a very good valid point, and it, it brings us to the progress of AI because, like, I think that it's it's similar when the calculator started to come. You know, like if someone is focused and really spending a lot of time to like calculate pi and all that stuff, and then now we have the technology to do it. So effectiveness in single focused inquiry in general is a kind of intelligence that can be replaced by artificial intelligence. But the creative ideation that's based on divergent thinking and synthesis, in my opinion, that's we're not there yet, or maybe we are, I'm not sure. But it's, it's, it's more complex to achieve that through programmed method. Even though, like I think, with the, with the, certain, with the latest discoveries and latest technologies in AI, we're arriving at uh, synthesizing artificial intelligence that's capable of creation, of creativity. But the specialized, you know, like uh, going by the book, intelligence is way outdated. And we've been like seeing that being replaced in society for like over two decades now that all those like automatic jobs are being replaced by computers instead of human beings. I think that the, those like very specialized, routine kind of jobs would would eventually be completely replaced by AI. And this is um, a very interesting, a very, very important uh, point that you make here. We see this already happening. I mean, just now, the emergence of uh, artificial intelligence in, in, in um, at this powerful scope that we see today. Previously, before this, this happened, many people raised the question and the concern about, yeah, well, it will replace our jobs. And the claim was always, the first jobs that will fall prey to this new technology is white collar jobs. You know, this uh, like uh, very tedious tasks and these mechanical tasks and uh, so on. But this wasn't actually true at all. The first jobs 
that will that now this this is this is coming that are replaced is for example coders due to this technology like yeah. coders people who write essays people who um, it's all intellectual work yeah and, and this is like for me it's the second wave of ai the first one was replacing customer service people, the supermarket uh, cashiers, you know, like uh, parking, you know, like all these kind of jobs were now automated. And uh, it's so interesting how now like, yeah, like writing books and writing code is now something that eventually we don't have to do it anymore. This is, this is truly incredible. While, while the white collar jobs, they are still untouched. And most probably this is going to stay for, for even the next, the next decade. This is so interesting intellectual jobs are, are replaced so like many people today raise the concern about uh, art this was like uh, this uh, this realm where it was the, the claim was even advanced ai will not be able to produce something creative and today people are convinced totally of the opposite and are even saying human beings or artists will just be outdated what is what is your opinion about um, yeah since you are an artist so what, what is your opinion about this well i think it depends like you can because it started with with computer programming music in the 90s and you can have this like kind of templates and you can just choose the sounds and you have this pre-recorded template but my point i want to look at this at the subject from my overall picture because it depends what's your input and what's your output because as an artist it's really about working with tools so you can have AI itself as a tool and then see what comes out that would be really interesting it's like in music there is something called generative music where you use a little bit of code and you set certain parameters with probability equations and stuff like that and then it the and then the, that like code or program would play all these different versions of the inputs that you put together so let's say I'll put like I want a piece in C and I want the, I wanted the guitar to play one out of three times and when the guitar plays I want the bass to change the note two out of six times so you set probabilities on certain actions and it's kind of like related to each other so you end up that you have this code for a piece that is different every time it plays because it's working with probabilities again this is using technology in a creative way because as an artist you're using it as a tool and that started even with like you know Pollock and some of the painters that would use the brush uh, to give shape and the canvas itself for the paint to spread on it so you're using the material in the creative process instead of the impressionist that would have a picture in mind and then try to have that picture exactly out so the expressionists especially the abstract ones would use the tools and the medium of the art as a creative agent in the process itself so that would like it, it's allowing the tools to have space with you as an artist to create and i think the same could be said for ai because we've seen a little bit of this since the 80s and like synthesizers and like sequencers and people thought the music was dead when we started first had like electronic synthesizers mm -hmm. all the hippies from the 70s were like no and uh, yes back then yeah. also like rejection and, eh? and and it's true because some of these people would just get these instruments and play the presets and then play the credits. And other people would take these instruments as an input and would see what can come out of combining the creative human agent with the possibilities of the tool. 
So I think that that would be also applied to like this second wave of AI where you can just let the AI do everything for you and you take the credit, or you can use that massive processing and massive capacity of the tool and use it to serve you in a way that will produce even an emergent art that we don't know anything about. So you join here the, um, the group of artists who actually embrace this and use it as a leverage for their, their art. They started, they started actually not only embrace, they say it has changed me in producing art and they still are agents. Like some, someone, they, they don't have the approach, okay, uh, the um, AI is gonna do everything for me. I think that's gonna hurt the uh, heart of an artist. He's not going to do that. I find this really a truly powerful message here, here from this place, like from the 80s. The people embrace these new things, these expressionists, and uh, go with the wave and bring art to a new level. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, I think we, whenever we are at the threshold of new technology, we always have this discussion. Uh, it was the same discussion we had when we first thought about the, bringing the radios to everybody and the, televisions to everybody and then computers at home and then the internet and uh, eventually like cloning stem cells so any breakthrough any threshold that a breakthrough of a new technology would have the conservative versus progressive debate you know whether the new is good or the new is dangerous you can always have people like aligning on this side or the other yes this was really for for me it was it was like uh, it struck me when i was uh, just reading a couple um a couple of months ago that even when when the first when the first telephones emerged and, and were were like uh, spread in the society, people were talking. And I'm quoting: "Now you see, this will be the end of social conversation." The phones. Yeah, yeah, it's and, and crazy. People, even with the newspaper, thought that this is brainwashing, and you no longer have like agency to think for yourself. And yeah, I think it just like, and it's so interesting how like this whole end of world like narrative would be put on any like of these new technologies breaking through so i think this is just a property of a certain way of thinking and you can always have people that again depending on their time yeah going back to the enneagram and Meyer Briggs, mm -hmm. we would have people that favor the old and the tested and other people that are looking for new possibilities and exploration these two modes of human intelligence they have their functions and they're necessary good to have caution but it's also good to explore you have to balance the right balance between both and hooray for you yes this is this is true and uh, it brings me brings me actually to um to to the to the concept of uh, kubler ross with her grief cycle and on her grief cycle she she explains actually five stages that people go um when they have a kind of crisis in their life uh, the first one starts with denial and this is what we see what would we see now even uh, you mentioned also uh, when, when newspapers arrived, um, they, you had people they had they had this denial as uh, because they were in this state and they started then to project to project into the world only their inner world and like uh, having this doom and gloom about the world. So you're gonna see now uh, it's gonna end dark. How do you protect yourself actually from uh, from this state that human beings can actually? end and then start to project into the world i think yeah i think some people have more tendency towards that than others and it's also part of the human mind is to look for a 
uh, maybe it could go wrong. And uh, yeah, I try to maintain objectivity, you know, to like see the pros and the cons, like see what is possible and what's probable because not everything that's possible is probable. And uh, and yeah, there's also da some dangers of AI when it's misused. It's like nuclear energy is like anything where you see everything that like the more capacity we have, it works both ways. You can use this capacity for creation or you can use this capacity for for damage. And uh, how do I protect myself from this? Yeah, it's not something that I would I would like consciously sit and think about. But like, yeah, I try to always look at things from how it could go into this and how it could go into that and try to find a, an objective look as much as I can. And if I find myself reacting emotionally, then it's a pointer that I need to do some inner work. <laughs> okay, so this is a sign then for you. Uh, now I really need to take uh, make a kind of accounting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, I introduced already the audience to you and your work, Enneagram and the Integral. Do those models and uh, those concepts play a role for you, like uh, how you navigate the world and um, not only not only protect yourself from those biases that we just mentioned, but also help you to thrive and embrace change? Yeah, it's 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 also like, for me, the, I use them the most in, in just trying to understand, to map what I am seeing, whether it's uh, like, yeah, what I'm experiencing myself, my relationship to the world. And also the Enneagram is very interesting because it really maps out kind of like, psychic energy i don't know how to explain it but it's like really about the different temperaments it's quite different from the Meyer briggs i also like the Meyer briggs and i think the Meyer briggs have the Meyer briggs system has application in the practical world really well if you like know the cognitive functions and how mm -hmm. they relate to each other it would be much easier to example to use it for hr for example than the enneagram in my opinion because the enneagram is really about like the inner subjective experience so it's like it's more usable for people in their own inner journey. But like the cognitive functions of Meyer Briggs are more in the communication side or like what kind of information people look to, even when they're not triggered, they're just their mode of operation itself. So I find that combining these two systems are useful, but the one that is definitely more revealing in, in inner work is, is the Enneagram. And Integral, again, is just, it's it's like a way to dis distribute my energy and my attention. I have to consider anything from four aspects, and these aspects are the individual subjective, the individual objective, collective subjective, collective objective. And even if you if anybody is doing coaching, when they put psychology and nutrition and relationships and career progress, you have a more holistic view. So like integral is really the the, the blueprint for holistic approaches in general, whether it's for a company, for a marriage, for self-development. It just gives you all the sides of anything, really. And the Enneagram fits one of those sides, which is the individuals. And uh, it is just like super rich in terms of how you can map a lot of inner, inner part and processes on the symbol itself and the history of it, how it's being used, and especially lately, how it's being introduced into the psycho-spiritual world in general and as as with anything there is apply it on like a not so deep of a level and others would take it into more and more deeper levels 
but it's very rich as, as a system. We had just uh, just a quick uh, quick interruption there. I'm gonna I'm gonna in one two sentences uh, summarize actually what would you say? I would say you you point pointed out that those are for you still tools, very helpful tools to help you to find meaning, but derived from uh, from from self awareness, which is really very very interesting. Um, I see this over and over again. Um, all people that are embracing change without without like this uh, big big fear i mean we, we, no one of us is actually free of fear in in uh, in face of change even those who, who embrace change they, they do it with with some dose of fear like um it doesn't prevent them but it is ultimately this thing that i see over and over again people who know their their self who have the self-awareness they are more clear where they are headed and they they lose this uh, this paralyzing fear of change and also of uh, what is like uh, different from what they know yeah uh, and i think some people are more are more tolerant to the, to this, the difficulties that come with change and others would resist that and stay where they are but i think that was the case for humanity across history like you have those like small percentage that's kind of like push the limits of understanding and want to explore and then they would like try out things and get ready and suffer through this until they found something that is tested and proven and then others would take that as the new norm or the new like value system so yeah i think that's uh, and you find this also in business in investors and designers like you people that would be like dissatisfied with how things are and really constantly seeking that novelty and others would wait for the tested and tried and then adopt yes so this will be really truly uh, truly valuable for for our audience uh, i like also how you you combine both uh, the spiritual development um, and also even business you mentioned this multiple times and we have um, our audience they are very much also from uh, they have a business background and until now, I see I see for them a huge value actually in and the powerful messages in um, in the conversation here with you. But I don't want them to miss like um, what I would consider um, the one one of the bigger tr contributions of you to the world, which is this intersection of uh, mystic traditions and the integral. And you have you are working and uh, or have have developed this new kind of meditation can you tell us tell us a bit more about that uh, and let's go let's go a bit uh, let's dig deeper so the people get to know this and see the value of this new framework um i don't know if i, I developed this kind of meditation but it came to me as a musician like you know even a drummer a drummer would use his two legs and two hands in a way that is synchronized yet each one of them is working in a different tempo. And this capacity to observe different points that are not seemingly synced is, is very useful to increase awareness so that you can able to track your, your body sensations, your feelings and your thoughts and also contribute with the external world so that meditation would not be a separate activity that you shut off the outside in order to go inside. Mm -hmm. So the capacity and the muscle to be able to track different points for me is really useful for this idea of embodied meditation or meditation as a trait not as a state so that you can be in life in meditation and that means that i am in my life walking around seeing the environment tracking the environment the people that i'm interacting with 
And at the same time, I have also my attention to my inner states, my emotions, my body sensations, and my thoughts. And that means that I need to spread my awareness inside at three points and outside while talking with you, while like dealing with the word outside. So at least you would have maybe five or six points that you're tracking. And what I wanted to do is to use like the ideas of polyrhythms and jazz as a practice for that because jazz is really interesting that you have a lot of emphasis on complex timings and how each instrument right yes there was there was an inter interruption you were told yes uh, so it get you get cut up uh, what you were talking about uh, jazz and uh, and the polyrhythms yeah so like in, in jazz you really touch that that you can listen to a complex and even in classical music to a certain extent you can you can listen to a complex piece of music that the instruments are like working at different times so that while you're listening you can pay attention to all of the instruments at once yet track them independently and what i wanted to do by using music for meditation is to train that muscle for people so that they can sit and be able to track many points independently because the old way of doing meditation is shutting off the external world focusing on the breath, like a single point of focus, and staying with that. And uh, so you have this like sharpened attention, but it's single and it's like, it's focused on a single object. But I find that if we are moving towards practical mysticism and embodied meditative states, like to become a trait, we need the capacity to track multiple, multiple points or multiple domains, the inner and the outer, and even the inner and its complexity, the three, points which is the thoughts sensations and emotions and outside yeah like many points and even the deeper that we get we can even touch the emotion of the other touch the thoughts of the other the more we can train this muscle i think the better we can arrive at this so and this is for me very fascinating and i see that even even a disruptive potential in in um, in this more a kind of holistic approach to mindfulness and meditation because of two reasons actually i see there this kind of lucidity just being aware but in the same time not only when you are meditating also when you are fully in life yeah and the other thing that you mentioned this is uh, like uh, truly truly important stuff this complexity you mentioned this multiple times and i liked it very much because this is what we see out there this is one of the biggest challenges for us human beings. While the complexity is increasing, the problems as well. What is in the same time, what seems to be decreasing is our ability for sense making and truly to see the sense that is there. But we, we, we just don't have this ability to truly with this kind of approach that you have integrate this in, in, a, in a kind of natural manner and make it uh, and embody this complex ability just in your in your daily life and live this that's going to be a huge contribution for 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 us today to really make sense of this hyper complex world that we live in yeah and i think the complex world require complex cognition mm -hmm. and uh, we sense making when our capacity to, to cognize and to reason is not as is not up to what is required to match the complexity outside. But I think that, that this is something that human consciousness is arriving at, even collectively, at this capacity to be complex. And we need spiritual practices that match that. 
and we need even understanding of spirituality that would match that. And this is again, it's like using the integral model of in meditation. So like old meditation, the ancient meditation is just upper left quadrant. It's like go inside, shut off the external, don't relate to others for a while. <laughs> it's like just sit in the top left and stay there for a few years. That is old spirituality. But now yeah. it's like four quadrant spirituality. It's like I need to be able to check in my subjectivity while at the same same time know my object objective state and at the same time pay attention to the collective objective, the objects in my experience outside, and also the collective subjective, the feelings, your feelings, to track emotionally the people that I'm dealing with, and to be able to have the, my attention distributed on the four quadrants. And that is, for me, is the, like, this is for me is modern day meditation, and what is required for us to be able to arrive at that constant sense making, and keep on updating all the time. We need to pay attention to multiple points, not just a single one. Multiple points and truly cover cover in a holistic, in a genuinely holistic um, way. Using this integral meditation, we, we might call it, to, to cover all four quadrants. Yeah, and, and this is what what this something like spiral dynamics would, would help us explain why is this so. And uh, it's just because these systems, in terms of their mystical Truth, they're very rich. I think this is what we can keep out of them. But they were introduced and and practiced at a time where our cognitive capacities were way different than our cognitive capacity now. So now our cognitive capacity requires to take the essential essential values of these systems, but modify them drastically in order to fit this hyper complex reality that we live in. To, have, to even make it applicable and it wouldn't be just a romantic melancholic like regression into an ancient uh, understanding of what is it, what does it mean to be spiritual yes this is uh, like the spiral dynamic that explains really very well that um, today this is just uh, our development requires new more comprehensive uh, solutions and we cannot apply apply everything from the past even though we take some principles but we have to arrive at um, totally new new solutions which brings us also back to uh, to the life that we are living today in this complex world and um, where ai is shaking the world but uh, we human beings we will always wanting to be agents to make to make sense of the world and bring new solutions and as long as as we do this i do not see actually a big um, even though my, there, there are some threats that we, we might experience but i don't don't see a, a huge huge problem for us just by developing developing f further and i see your integral meditation as a contribution to that you share just some some tips for 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 the audience that they might apply apply right away your system and of course um later i'm going to mention mention all the resources that they can actually they, they can find and learn more about um, this integral meditation it's i don't know how to explain it in a way that is not yeah just like really to and you can you know what it is to pay attention to the body or pay attention to the breath just like all i can say is that take that with you while you're interacting with others and try to make it to at least go back and forth between scanning the outside and scanning the inside scanning the outside scanning the inside so uh, i'm connecting to my emotion but at the same time i go outside and i track the emotions of the outside and 
track my emotion than outside and track the emotion zone until eventually you can reach at the point where you can track both at the same time and that is relating like our capacity to have this flow of information like i'm getting emotional information from you and sending to you information that is relating and when there is blocks that means that we're not paying attention to either the inside or to the outside and uh, this is what i can say and i'm now in the phase of developing music pieces that are aimed at introducing that meditative states and it's going to also be using polyrhythms and certain tunings for the chakras so i have it mapped out and getting into the phase of working it out and yeah and you will be the first people that i would share it with i'm sure yes that's great and um i'm uh, really very excited about that um even even um i'm offering to contribute to whatever in which whichever way because i see a huge value in um in the whole and i like i like um actually what, what, what you said it is taking the mindfulness practice that you already have and just extending it step by step so what, what you really say, said beautifully take also take also the, the the realm of the outside world while you are meditating and then take this take this further like even then go go in, in in the market and still be aware of both interchangeably the inner world and the outer world to arrive at them at a bigger more com comprehensive of yourself and the world which uh, again like um, helps us to to increase increase them the integral integral view on the world which we, we were we were talking about and um, this is a huge huge value actually for yeah for the world yeah and i think relating this to integral is very valid because it's it's about paying attention to the four quadrants it's like paying attention inwardly outwardly to the sensations to the emotions to the tangible and non-tangible so i pay attention to the tangible in me and in others and the non-tangible in me and in, and that is that is the focus that is the where attention goes other than that you get a you get a you don't get the whole picture yes truly truly so we need to shift um to a new new paradigm which uh, actually we are here at paradigm holistic and aiming aiming to do so today Nadir, i um i did enjoy very much and um, this is the reason why i brought um you to the audience uh, because of your work and i see I see that you're gonna go, go back to your laboratory to to contribute and develop more of what you are already working to bring this to bring this then uh, to the world. So thank you very much for being here with us. And thank you, thank uh, yes, you. thank you. Wish you lots of success. <laughs>